um, I'm reading from Mark chapter 5, and I'm reading from verse 1, the healing of a demon-possessed man. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of God, son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out. Out of, the, out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave his permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told, the pig, told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell them into Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Thank you. Hello, hello. Whoa. I'm going to pray before we start. Father God, please use my words today to minister to people, to help people. Uh, use me and help everyone to listen and hear what you have to say to them. Please work powerfully by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. About two years ago, I witnessed something that was one of the most shocking things that I'd ever seen in my life. It shocked me. It disgusted me. It was two years ago. I was in China, and uh, a few months previous to this at a conference, I'd met, Regina and I had met a young couple who were serving in a, quite an isolated area with um, some unreached people groups, and they started telling us their story. Uh, the young girl had come from quite a conservative church background, and she, she said that uh, a few weeks previous to this, uh, a Christian girl had come to her whose father was very sick. and said, please pray for my father. My father's on his deathbed. 
So she said, I'll pray for your father. So uh, she prayed for the girl's father. The father was back at home. They weren't together. Next day, the girl goes home to see her father, sends a text back to this American missionary, says, you wouldn't believe it, my father is completely better. And the American missionary was quite shocked, <laughs> even though she'd prayed for his healing. Well, this kind of thing kept happening. Every few weeks, she would pray for someone and they'd get healed. And she was very confused. She'd never been taught about healing. She'd never really hardly seen healing. It was not talked about in her church much. Uh, she, she didn't know what to do with it. She didn't really know what it meant. And um, she had wanted to visit the team that we were part of to learn some things from us. We were doing a lot of evangelism and a lot of things quite boldly out on the streets and she wanted to learn more about that. And I thought, it'd be great if you could come to us. We'll go out together. I'll get a Tibetan Christian to translate for us. You can pray for someone, they'll get healed, and I'll preach the gospel to them. They'll hear the gospel, and they'll see a clear demonstration of God's power. I was pretty excited. So a few weeks later, she came to visit us. We went out onto the street. She's like, I'm really nervous. I don't know what to do. I said, just don't do anything. Just watch and pray. I'll, t I'll tell you what to do. And we met a, t a Tibetan woman who was selling jewelry and things. And I, I was trying to find someone who was sick or who had some kind of ailment so my, this girl could pray for them. So I said to this woman, do you have any sickness? And she couldn't speak much Chinese, so I had to use a translator a fair bit. She said, I have terrible arthritis in my hands. And you could see her hands were kind of like this. Every morning I wake up in agony. So through a translator, I said, can we pray for you? She had no idea what I was talking about. Can we ask Jesus to heal you? She'd never heard of Jesus. She, she has no idea what we're talking about. So it's getting kind of frustrating because I'm wanting her to understand what we're doing before we do it. But it didn't work. So I said to my friend, look, she's like, what do we do? I said, just put your hands on her hands and start praying for her. So, so she's like, okay. So she puts her hands on this Tibetan woman's hand, starts praying for her in English. And uh, it was a very crowded area. So praying, praying, praying. And, and then... At the end, I said to the woman, how are your hands feeling? She said, I have no more pain in my hands. I feel completely better. I was like, really? And I'm checking, really? And no more pain? I couldn't believe it. And um, so we tried to start telling her the gospel, but she was very uninterested. And so I tried the guy next to her. I said, you know that there's this God called Jesus just healed this woman's arthritis? And he was very interested. So we started telling him the gospel through a translator. And I was a bit annoyed at this woman. After being healed, she didn't want to hear about Jesus. So the next day we went to find her again. I wanted to see, were her hands still better? And would she be interested in hearing about Jesus now? So we searched and we found her selling her wares again. I brought my Tibetan Christian friend along. We tried to grab her and share with her. She's like, I'm not interested. I don't want to hear about it. And I'm like, what is wrong with this woman? This God you've never heard of, Jesus, just healed your arthritis. And by the way, I asked her again. She's like, yeah, I still have no pain. I'm completely better. And so I'm telling her friends next to her again, you know, Jesus just healed her arthritis. And they're like, oh, really? And they want to hear. And, and they're asking her, really? She's like, yeah, really? I have no more pain now. They prayed for me. I've, I've got no pain now. And they're like, wow. So all these people come along and start listening, and, and we just keep preaching, and there's all these CCT cameras everywhere. TV cameras everywhere was quite frightening, but we just kept going, and we preached for about two hours with my Tibetan friend translating. Um, 
about every 10 minutes, a Tibetan would get really angry and say, you shouldn't be sharing this stuff. We are Tibetan Buddhists. And I said, well, you're free to leave if you don't want to listen. Because there were crowds of like 20, 30 people, mostly young men, just sitting around listening really intently while we were trying to share with them. And um, we went home, and me and my friend were so scared and so excited, we didn't sleep till like four in the morning. <laughs> we just keep thinking of the CCTV cameras, <laughs> watching us do all that. Because in China, there's just cameras everywhere. Um, but I was just, well, I was amazed to see a healing. But I was more amazed that this woman, after being healed by Jesus, had no interest to hear about him. I was disgusted, and it, it's really haunted me. But you know, it's no different in Jesus' time, is it? He healed thousands and thousands of people. There were only 120 people left with him. When, he, when, when they went in, up into the upper room at the end, hardly anyone left. All those people healed. Think of the 10 lepers. 10 get healed, only one comes back to thank Jesus. We love the blessing of God, but we often don't want to serve him. I want to give you some context to this story to show you how shocking it is to the story that was just read from the Bible. The day before this story, Jesus is teaching by the lake of Galilee and he's teaching all day and all night. And when it comes to nighttime, he says, let's go over to the other side. Now, in the Jewish worldview, the Gentile areas, which was what was on the other side of the lake, were so defiled and so unclean, you wouldn't even mention the name of the towns. So Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. They all knew what Jesus meant. And when it says they left with Jesus just as he was, it means they had to go right now. They're not getting anything ready. They're not texting their wives. They're getting in the boat. They're leaving. It's nighttime, and you know the story. A big storm comes up. They're all terrified. They wake up Jesus who's asleep, don't you care if we drown? He calms the wind and waves. It's not a slow going down. It's big waves to instant calm. And they are absolutely terrified. They are far more terrified of Jesus than they are of the storm. And I wonder if they weren't trapped with Jesus in a boat, if they would have ran away. But they had nowhere to go. So they're just sitting there in the boat. Ah, who is this man? Who is this guy? They don't know who he is. So the, the sea is calm. They start rowing across, because there's no wind now, so they're rowing across, they get to the other side. Uh, many commentators think that this story that was read actually occurred maybe uh, in the middle of the night or sometime, you know, like three, four in the morning. So picture the scene. The disciples know that Jesus is taking them to an unclean place, a place where Satan rules, a place of the Gentiles, a place they're not allowed to go to because they'll be defiled. And under the moonlight, they can see in the distance the shoreline, but before they see clearly, they hear a hideous howling and screaming. What is that? They come closer. They see there's some tombs where dead people are buried, also unclean. They come closer. They start to see there's this figure running around. What is that? He's naked. He's screaming. He's cutting and gashing himself with rocks. He's bruising himself. He's trying to destroy himself. It's dark. You're already shaken up from what you've seen Jesus do. And now you see this. I don't know how they would have felt, but I don't think it would have been calm. 
And they're going across. When they get to this place, notice that the disciples don't get out of the boat. And it's understandable. They're in Gentile territory. There's this crazed, screeching, naked lunatic running around. Well, Jesus gets out of the boat, and the Bible says that this man ran to him. <laughs> Can you imagine, in the pale moonlight, a naked, screaming maniac running towards you? But Jesus is completely unfazed. See, they didn't know, the disciples didn't know this was a place you weren't meant to go. It says in other Gospels that this man was so violent that no one could go past that way. It said that he'd been naked for a long time. People tried to bind him, but it, he would, had superhuman strength. He would just smash it apart. So he was like the Ted Bundy, the Charles Manson of our day. He was sick. He was probably uh, sexually depraved with all those demons. He's naked all the time. He was violent. He'd probably killed people before. If he was in our day today, he would be subdued with drugs and put in solitary confinement, something like that. But they used to put people in mental asylums. Now they just put them in prison. This man was like sub, 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 subhuman in the eyes of the Jewish people. He was dangerous. He was disgusting. And he was just, you didn't even want to look at him. Sub, sub, subhuman. Less than an animal in the eyes of the Jews. They didn't know they weren't meant to go there. So they didn't recognize who he was, but isn't it interesting when the man runs down at 100 miles an hour, screaming and cutting, he instantly knows who Jesus is because the demons inside of him have known Jesus for thousands of years. They instantly recognize who Jesus is. And he runs and he bows. He bows down in subject to Jesus because Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus has power over everything and everyone. There is nothing more powerful, no one more powerful than Jesus. And in the minds of these people, this guy would have probably been the most terrifying thing they could imagine. But to Jesus, there's no threat. So he bows down and this, is, this story is one of the most explicit demonstrations of demonic power in the whole Bible. See, because demons like to hide. They like to come in something seductive, beautiful, attractive. But there was nothing seductive, beautiful, or attractive about this man. So the true nature of the demonic was on display. And we learn so much about demons from this story. We learn that demons know who Jesus is, and they know that Jesus one day will throw them into the lake of fire. So they say to Jesus, what have we got to do with you? Please don't torture us. Why do they say that? Because they know their time is coming. And there's going to be a time when all demons are dealt with and they'll influence us no more. But they're thinking, wait a minute, this is not the allotted time when we get thrown into the lake of fire. So what are you doing here now? And in other Gospels, sometimes when Jesus confronts a demon, they say, what have we got to do with you? Have you come to punish us before our time? So they know the timing. This isn't the timing yet. So they're confused. And they say, please don't send us out of this area. So we learn a lot. 
We learn that demons know who Jesus is. We learn that demons can be territorial. Please don't send us out of this area. So they say, send us into those pigs. And there's about 2,000 pigs on the side of the hill grazing. We learn that demons can possess animals. And so the demons, Jesus just says one word, go, they're off. They're into the pigs. And then the pigs go down the cliff and drown. Now there's something wrong with this picture. Pigs can swim. Right? So they didn't drown because they fell off a cliff. They drowned because the demons drowned them. Now, I don't know why this happened in this way, but one thing's for sure, it was like a real, very visual proof that Jesus had cast the demons out of this man. So if Jesus is intending to show his power, this is a good way to do it. No one can argue that the demons have left. And then the man, after he's been delivered of legion, now a Roman legion had up to 6,000 people, 6,000 soldiers. So this guy had up to maybe 6,000, maybe more demons in him. And after Jesus heals him, he's sitting there in his right mind, fully clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, you would expect the townsfolk to come and say, Jesus, this is fantastic. This guy has been terrorizing us for years. He's been endangering us. We have not been able to come to this area. Thank you so much. But it's not what they say. The townsfolk, uh, the, 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 the people watching the pigs go into the cities and the towns. Decapolis means 10 cities, so they go right throughout the cities. And a whole bunch of people, in some parts of the Bible says, they, the whole, people from the whole area came out. And they saw what had happened. They saw, they heard about the pigs. They saw the man sitting in his right mind, fully dressed, sane, sitting at Jesus' feet. They don't thank Jesus. They are terrified because they've seen the power of God. And they beg Jesus, please leave our area. Now you notice they don't command him. You're not going to command a guy who's just shown that kind of power. So they beg Jesus, just like the demons begged Jesus, please leave our area. And then the man says to Jesus, I want to go with you wherever you are. I want to follow you everywhere. And Jesus says, no. Go back to the 10 cities. Tell your family everything that God has done for you, how kind he has been to you. And the Bible says that everyone that heard this was amazed. So he became perhaps the second missionary in the New Testament, the first being the Samaritan woman. And he just goes out and tells everyone. And this was a Gentile area. Can you imagine? Someone's going in to, to worship in the uh, temple of Zeus or something. And he's like, dude, I want to tell you. Oh, you're that guy. What? What? You can imagine people are listening if they recognize the man or they've heard about the man. He's like, I was that man. No. Yes, I was that man. Why are you like this now? People listened. People were amazed. And you can find ruins of ancient churches in that area. And Jesus went back there and fed the, the, the 5,000, and, and that was in that area after the man had gone around and told everyone. But I want to bring out three points from this story. The first point is, there is no problem too great for Jesus. Now, some of you are facing things that you've given up hope. You've given up hope that God can help you because you've boxed God. You've said, God can do this and this, but he can't do this. 
But we see from this story that no matter how great the power that is in your life doing something bad, doing evil, no matter how great the demonic influence in your life, no matter how great your own sin, Jesus has a solution and Jesus can bring change. This man was the lowest of the lowest of the low. I can guarantee your state is not as bad as his because all of you are dressed, <laughs> all of you appear sane. Some of you may be cutting yourselves, but you're not doing it 24-7 day and night living in tombs. If there's hope for this man, there's hope for you. Have faith. There's no problem too great, be it financial, physical, spiritual, mental. There's no problem too great for the power of Jesus because he is the Lord above all. He is the power above all powers. The demons know it as soon as they saw him. They said, son of the most high. This is the, f the first time in the, in the whole uh, of Mark's gospel that someone calls Jesus the son of God. It's a demon. They know who Jesus is. But you need to know who Jesus is because the demons that influence you want to tell you Jesus is not the most powerful, even though they know he is. They're terrified of Jesus. That's the first point. Don't give up hope. If you're at the stage today where you're just feeling like, you know what, I've tried for years, I've prayed for years, I, I don't think Jesus can help me. No, Jesus can help you. Don't give up hope. The second point is, when Jesus saves you, he has something for you to do. He has a job for you to do. You have been saved to do good works. You have been saved in order to bring glory to God. You have not done good works to be saved. Look at this man. Did he do anything deserving of Jesus' love? All he did was probably rape, murder, terrorize. He was a sexual deviant. He was probably a mass murderer. Just the worst of the worst person you can imagine. And what does Jesus say to him? Go and tell how the Lord has had mercy on you. What mercy to see a man like this, so controlled by evil spirits that, that his human personality is completely covered. You can't even see it. It's hidden. But Jesus sees the man. And Jesus sees you despite your sin, despite your depravity. Jesus sees you and he loves you. And he loves you not because you deserve it, but because he is loving. He will always love you because it's not about who you are. It's about who he is. He loves you because that's what he's like. He is loving. He will always love you. What gifts do you have? What gnawing feelings have you had or what you should be doing for God but you're not? What fears are in the road of you walking in that path? Well, you know God is asking you to do something, but because of doubt or fear or maybe you think, I can't do it, you don't step out. It's not about you. It's about God's power. He'll help you. You just start walking in the direction. Like a ship, just start moving and Jesus will steer you. Step out in faith. First point, there is nothing in your life that Jesus can't help you with. Second point, when Jesus helps you, he wants to use you for his kingdom. The third point 
is a question. You notice in this story, there's a lot of begging and pleading going on. The demons plead with Jesus, please don't torture us. Please don't send us out of this area. Don't, please send us into the pigs. The people plead with Jesus, please leave our area. Please go away from here. And the demoniac who was delivered is pleading, please let me go with you wherever you go. He is completely sold out to Jesus. Not an ounce of reservation because he knows what he's been delivered from. Do you know what you've been delivered from? Do you know the state you were in before Jesus saved you? Have you ever contemplated that? Do you know that your very life is owed to Jesus? There's not one iota of your life, of your time, of your money, of your talents that you can say, sorry Jesus, that part's mine. If it's not for Jesus, you would be doomed. You owe your very life to Jesus. So my question is, what are you pleading for Jesus to do? What is your heart cry to Jesus? Are you like the demoniac? Please don't send me out of this area. Please don't torture me. You're in fear that you're not really saved and Jesus is going to punish you. You need to come in faith to Jesus. Confess your sin and know his love will forgive you. His heart for you is love and forgiveness. Confess your sins to him. And as the scriptures say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will cleanse our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Come to him in faith. Maybe if some of you have never really believed that you're saved, I invite you this morning. Talk to Jesus. Say, because of your promise, I believe you will forgive me. I confess I'm a sinner. I need you. Thank you for dying for me. Tell him. Or maybe you're like the people who heard about the story and were afraid of Jesus. Maybe you like the blessing Jesus gives in your life, but you don't like the inconvenience. You know, those pigs, back in that time, if a family, if a person had five pigs, they were considered pretty rich. If a family had 15 pigs, they were doing really well. It was 2,000 pigs. By some estimates, that was 25% of the economy of that area down the drain. Maybe they dug them out and sold them, I don't know. But it doesn't seem like that's the real reason they asked Jesus to leave. It's because they're scared. But even so, is there a financial burden you're afraid of if you step up your commitment to Jesus? Is there a time burden you're afraid of if you step up commitment to Jesus? Is, is there the opinion of others that you're afraid of? Is there the, your own self-loathing, your own self-doubt that's stopping you? I want to tell you, be like the demoniac who was delivered. Listen to his amazing heart after he's delivered. I want to be with you wherever you go. And when Jesus tells him, no, go and tell everyone about what I've done for you, he just goes in complete obedience. He's completely sold out for Jesus. I want to encourage you, be completely sold out for Jesus. You only get one chance. Don't look back and go, I wish I wouldn't have been so petty. I wish I wouldn't have been so concerned with things that are temporary. Give it all. I say particularly to the, you young people, you know, the older you get, the harder it gets. You get more stuff, you get more fear, you get more stuck in your ways. Even the idea of what other people think of you doesn't always get easier. So make decisions now that are radical for Jesus. 
Make a decision now at school that you're going to be different. You're going to be a Christian. You're going to live like a Christian no matter what people say. This is who I am. No apologies. I'm a Christian. You're not. I hope you become a Christian, but I'm not going to live like you. I'm not going to talk like you. I'm not going to think like you because I am a new creation. Get that fixed in your mind when you're young and it'll help you throughout your whole life. If you're unsure now, be careful. The devil is very clever. He'll bring a good-looking boy. He'll bring an influential friend. He'll bring a fun friend. Hey, why don't we do this? You get drawn away. And before you know, you're in big trouble. Make your decision now. And if you're like me, you're older than school age, it's not too late to ramp up your commitment. <laughs> At the end of the service, I'm going to be um, up the front, and if there are anyone that wants to come and help me pray for people, if anyone wants prayer about anything that's come up, you want to, there's something blocking you, you feel like God is wanting you to go into perhaps uh, an area that's going to take more faith, a way of living that's going to take more faith, come and talk and let's pray. If you feel there's been demonic influence on your life that you can't shake, come and let's pray. Because Jesus is more powerful than any demon. Jesus is more powerful than the devil and all his demons combined. In the Bible it says that Jesus is going to destroy the devil with the breath of his nostrils. Doesn't sound like much effort, does it? They line up for a fight. He goes, the devil's dead. The devil's gone. Wow. <laughs> Absolute power. But it's a mind game. The devil wants you to think that you're trapped. The devil wants you to think there's no hope. That's why you've got to have faith. Jesus has all the power. Jesus sees the beauty in you, the potential in you, and the devil wants to destroy you. There is a battle, but it's not between Jesus and the devil. It's between you and the devil. So you need to come fully under Jesus' care. You need to run to Jesus like that demoniac did. You need to take your refuge in Jesus. Not in bad habits. Not in cutting. Not in entertainment. Not in your friends. Only Jesus can give you the covering you need. So let's pray. Father God, we proclaim that you are the power above all powers. And your son Jesus delivered us and is, is more, more powerful than any demon, than any devil, than any problem. Lord, we pray that you will help the heartbeat of our hearts to be like the demoniac that was delivered. We want to be with you wherever you, you, go, you are. We want to do anything you say. Help us to be fully committed. And if there's any demonic voices that are confusing people right now or bringing more doubt or wanting them to not have prayer, please take those voices away and give everyone who needs it the strength to move forward with you and to cry out to you. We pray for deliverance this morning. We, we pray, pray for progress in our walk with you, greater holiness, greater commitment, because we owe everything to you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.